0: are about to listen to where your treasure is, the podcast where faith and finance meet. Please note that the views expressed are our own and in no way represent any form of financial advice. And remember, investments can go down as well as up. Happy listening.
1: Hello, and welcome to Where your Treasure is. We're in season four and we are continuing our conversations about money. I'm Bex and I'm here with Simon. Simon, what are we going to be talking about for the next couple of episodes?
0: Well, Bex, we are about to embark on a season within a season. Um, We haven't quite worked out what we're going to call it yet, but in our ongoing conversations about money we thought it would be helpful to look at maybe three eras or three stages of our life when it comes to money. We're going to look first of all, and that's this week at the past, how our past experience and influence has created within us an attitude or a behavior towards money. And then next week, we're going to move into the present. It's a bit like the three ghosts in a Christmas tale, isn't it? How do we currently feel about money, behave with money? What are the influences that happen day by day? And then we're going to go to the future and we're going to look at how might we be able to mold and hopefully improve our attitude to, our behavior around, and our use of money going forward. So it should be quite exciting.
1: It does sound quite exciting. I think for copyright purposes, we're going to avoid a tale of money, Carol. It's also not very catchy. So I think we'll just move right along and get into the content today. So when I think about our last conversation, we were thinking about the fact that we can be influenced by others when it comes to money, but also that we have the power to influence other people. So how do we begin to identify some of the things that have influenced or shaped our view of money?
0: I think we could start by simply asking ourselves that question. As we look backwards, because we can't look forwards, we can look backwards only, and ask the question, what is it or who is it that has most influenced our current thinking about money? And I reckon we could all pretty quickly come up with some quite similar suggestions I think maybe it's parents you know as young children I think parents often define an attitude towards money maybe that is one we don't know anything about they don't talk about money or maybe they're very proactive about teaching their children about money has a big influence on us and then other people come into the mix it could be our siblings and their behaviors around money especially if they are different from ours then people we live with, whether it's flatmates or as students or going out with somebody and getting married, those people bring in their own influences to us. Or it's people we hang around with, our friends, uh, our colleagues, could be even our neighbours, people at church. And in conversation, either we hear what they say about money or probably more so, we see the way they handle money And that can either inform and educate us, or it can challenge us, or in some cases, actually, I think we can be quite put off when we see the way that other people deal with money. What would you add to that, Bex?
1: I would add to that that I think external events can really influence us so whether that is the environments we're in so maybe the church we're in and their view of money or perhaps our social spheres or whether we are in private education or what sort of job we're working in whether it is really well paid or whether we are earning minimum wage and I think as well current events can influence us so what's going on in the more general economic climate or what is having an influence on markets so for instance currently the economic climate is often described as a cost of living crisis at the moment and so I think that in itself and hearing that constantly is probably having an influence on all of our spending patterns at the moment even if we haven't personally been affected quite as much as some other people.
0: Yeah. And if you were to speak to perhaps your parents or even your grandparents about some of the experiences that they lived through, I think we would all realise that their attitude towards money has been very much defined by the era they lived through, by what was going on in society, by economic circumstances. Were they in a job for life where, for example, things like pensions didn't have to worry about, there was a regular wage coming in, and when you retire, it starts paying no problem? Or did they find themselves in a period of economic depression when they lost their jobs or their savings or the value of the house went down or negative equity? And suddenly, money has a very different meaning in that circumstance. It's not so much about money being something that we haven't got to worry about, but something that becomes all-consuming. Really a massive worry. So I'm thinking now, Bex, whatever people think of influences and the influencers, what kind of attitudes to money might people be having right now because of what's happened in their past?
1: I think that is a very difficult thing to begin to untangle and to put your finger on. But off the top of my head, I can think that some people may have a scarcity or a hoarding mindset when it comes to money. They're used to not having a lot and so it feels like I need to actually take control of this and ensure that I can provide security for myself or for my loved ones. We may have a spend now worry later attitude. Oh, it'll be fine, it'll all work out. Or we may see money as a way of showing love. If I am really generous towards you, if I pour out money on you, you'll understand how much I care. Or we may come from an environment where generosity is really important. And so actually what we perceive as being generous and what someone else perceives as generous could be two different things just because of the environments that we've been in. What would you add to that, Simon? Or what would you
0: unpack a bit more in that? Well, as you were explaining some of those different attitudes towards money, in my mind's eye, I was thinking, oh, that's just like that person I know. And that's just like, That person I know. So I think you've put your finger on quite a number of the big ones. What came to mind was that some people might go through different stages during their life in which their attitude towards money changes. So think about my own life. Growing up with not a huge amount of money, it was really important that we were careful with how much we spent and on what. And yet having parents who were very generous. And I saw that and that really defined a large amount of my attitude towards money. But then as I got older and began my career, there were times when there was lots of money coming in. I was a salesman, effectively, for a while, working on commission. And a good month would come along and there was plenty of money. And in that moment, there was almost a change in my own attitude towards and use of money. And I don't think it was entirely healthy. But it's only looking back and seeing that transition that I begin to realize, ah, that's how money can actually have quite a big influence on us. But I then have to develop myself. What attitude to money do I actually want to have? Can I begin to control it rather than it controlling me? And I think actually that's quite a biblical principle.
1: Absolutely. And I think you've also highlighted a really interesting influence there, which maybe isn't always so apparent, which is that if we don't have a regular income, if we're not sure exactly how much money we're going to get a month, that can really influence our spending habits. I know someone who is self-employed at the moment that that can be a really difficult thing to manage. To steward that well so that you are preparing for the future and you're preparing for a potentially a quieter month versus still being generous and not kind of keeping it all in just in case but continuing to give money out as well
0: and that phrase stewardship is key I think to our understanding of a good attitude towards money we have this resource we're asked to manage and the Bible does say quite a lot about money. Some Christians that I've met have an attitude which is money is evil. It's mammon. It's this thing that draws us away from God. They misquote and say that money is the root of all evil. And this has defined their mindset that money is a thing that we shouldn't really pay too much attention to in case it draws us away from God. Now, what the Bible actually says is that the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. So we have to protect our hearts when it comes to our dealings with money. But we have to be good stewards of the resources that God has given us. Money can be a great tool and a great resource in the kingdom. And perhaps that comes back to, well, how did our parents teach us to use money? Or our Sunday school teachers or our pastor, our minister, our priest in church on a Sunday morning. The way they talk about money does begin to actually impact us. So we absorb all these opinions and experiences, and then somehow we have to come to a conclusion ourselves of, well, based on all that stuff, this is my opinion of money and how I'm going to use it.
1: So how can we begin to understand where we are and acknowledge that's maybe not where we want to stay And are there any particular aspects, biblical or technical, that we need to really get to grips with in order to move forward to where we want to be?
0: It's a really great position to put ourselves in, which is, am I happy with my current attitude towards money? And I reckon, anecdotally, having had many money conversations with many people, that for most of us, the answer would be no. Actually, I'm not entirely happy with where I am with money, not in terms of how much I've got or even what I do with it, but the influence that money has on me emotionally and when I come to make decisions about money. And if we start with that position, then I think we have a very good opportunity to look forward, and we'll do that over the coming couple of episodes. How can we change our attitude towards money to make it better, more biblical, more as we would like it to be? But we can't do that unless we first look backwards and understand what our current money attitude is
1: and it strikes me that one of the things we might need to get grips with is what does the bible actually say about money versus perhaps what we have interpreted or picked up along the way and that those two things may be different so for instance i was pondering the other night about gambling, and how the vast majority of Christians would not agree with gambling. And I would also include myself in that. But then I was thinking, what has actually formed that decision? Because nowhere in the Bible does it say, don't gamble. In fact, you almost see examples of it where people are picking lots. And so how do we get from no explicit instructions to understanding that that's not how we want to live our lives necessarily?
0: Wow, going pretty deep and theological pretty quickly there, Bex. That's what I'm here for. Absolutely. And as we will remind our listeners, neither of us are biblical experts on this topic. (laughs) So let us have a conversation and see where we get to. That's what today is all about. I think actually conversations is the way that this plays out. We will only know that the general attitude towards gambling is quite negative within Christian society. Because somebody somewhere has told us, oh, well, you know, Christians don't gamble or Christians shouldn't gamble or perhaps the Bible says that we shouldn't gamble. And it isn't so explicit. You're right. But there are certainly principles which the Bible speaks about. The Bible does speak about being good stewards of what God has given us. It talks about not loving money, about having a right attitude towards money. I think one of the issues with gambling is that it can become addictive. And I'm going to put my hand up, metaphorically, on air at this stage and say, I think I have quite an addictive nature. As a teenager, my sister and my brother would often pretend to gamble. We would play poker. We would play pontoon. We would play roulette. And in that moment, gambling perhaps with matchsticks or with pennies and tuppences, as they were back then, I kind of learned the mechanics of gambling. And came to realize, you know what, when you gamble, you lose. The odds are always stacked against you. And in fact, I use that today in my professional life. I will tell people, if you go into a casino, you have to pretty much go with the attitude of, I'm going to lose. The only way to win when it comes to gambling is to own the casino. So my attitude towards money has been built both on almost a logical process but also in speaking to other people and finding out what they think about it.
1: And I think within that, you're also identifying an interesting strand that gambling, like anything else, can just have the potential to distract our attention from God. So rather than God being on the throne, we can put gambling or our work or having a really great house or fill in the blank on the throne and end up, perhaps unintentionally, Orientating our life around that particular thing. And to be honest, it also throws up a whole other question of what even is gambling? How are we defining that? And so many people define that so many different ways. And it's not even so much about how we define that in this conversation, but it's about each person knowing actually, this is where I stand on this issue, and this is the line for me. And this is why I have this line, not because I've been told a particular thing, but because I've thought through it, I've spoken through it with a number of people, and this is my decision.
0: Absolutely right. Gambling can go from one extreme of throwing money away at the casino, or going to a horse race, or betting on a football match. Or what about things like premium bonds? When you're investing money with a hope of a big win, a million pound win. Or what about buying raffle tickets? Is that gambling? There's a whole spectrum here where our attitude towards money and what we're trying to get out of it will vary. And for different people, I think the line will be drawn in different places. But gambling just represents one part of our lives where we have this interaction with money. What about a career or getting a job? Those people who are so money focused that their entire being is dedicated towards earning the most money, having the biggest house, driving the fastest car, going on the nicest holidays, as opposed to, well, this thing called money, I know I need some of it to pay the bills and buy clothes and get some food, but I don't want to be consumed by it. And again, there is a continuum of people, and the line will be drawn somewhere around what is my attitude towards money? Is it thought through and deliberate? Or have I absorbed it from external influences that might not be ideal?
1: And I think it's just recognising where we are in that continuum and what's helpful to us, isn't it? I know at this point in my life, I've opted not to have a credit card because for me, that just feels like a massive source of temptation and a potential black hole that I don't want to go down. And yet lots of people handle them incredibly successfully and use that as a tool to build their credit score, which can allow them to buy a house or whatever it is. But for me at the moment, that is not a line I want to cross. And both of those attitudes can be right. It's just different for different
0: individuals. And that demonstrates an element of self-awareness. It might be okay for those people, but actually I don't think it's okay for me for now. There are people out there, I have a bank manager friend who would say, absolutely, you have to have a credit card for the protection that it brings when you're making big purchases. But other people who will say, no, I don't ever want to have a credit card. Credit cards are not mentioned in the bible as being evil but for some people they're wrong and for others they're right being aware of our own attitude towards money helps us make those kind of proactive decisions rather than just do what the rest of the world does because it must be right because honestly Bex a lot of the time the rest of the world is not right when it comes to money
1: So, so far what we've established is that it's really important to understand what shaped our influences, where we're at right now and actually what works for each of us as an individual and not just the decisions we've made but how we have made those decisions. So let's say we're looking at some of those decisions or attitudes and we're not particularly happy with what we see How can we move forward from where we've been in the past?
0: Oh, I was going to sing a wee song at you there, Bex, in French. Je ne regrette rien. (laughs) I regret nothing. Looking back on our lives, we can, and I'm sure most of us will, think about times we have made poor money decisions. I wish I hadn't bought that thing. I wish I hadn't saved up for so long and not spent it. I wish I hadn't given that away. Whatever it is that we wish we hadn't, whilst those experiences help define our current attitude towards money, they needn't forever. We can learn. In fact, it would be a fool who doesn't learn from their past mistakes. So looking back and thinking about What we have done with money in the past is a really good tool to help us decide what to do with money going forward. And I would take it even further than that. We can look at other people and the way that they have used money, wisely or foolishly, and try and learn lessons from them as well. I think that's where we see from our parents, from our siblings, from our colleagues, from our friends, where they are prepared to share with us perhaps their financial failures, they do so with an attitude of hoping we will learn from their mistakes. Parents say that all the time, don't they?
1: And so let's say that right now we are living in the consequences of previous decisions. Can you give us some helpful starting points to move us from that place, perhaps where we are having to pay off debt, or we are not able to save the way we would like to, and give us some kind of principles of how we can move from that place to being able to save or to be able to spend
0: money more freely. Yeah, so we can recognise I did that in the past and it's currently impacting my financial position right now. Uh, I bought that card or that holiday on a credit card and I'm now suffering as a result. I am learning the lesson in real time. If we can look forward, we can't just say, you know, I won't do that again. It's not that simple. I think the first step we often have to make is admit to ourselves, we're in a position we don't want to be in. It might be the position that you think everybody else is in. Well, everybody does this. It's just normal. But until you start speaking to people, and that's the second step, you're never going to know. What if there are people out there who have managed to get through difficult financial situations? have been in debt, have become debt-free, and here I'm talking about unmanageable debt, whether it's credit card debts or personal loans or car loans. We're not talking about certain things like mortgage debt, which could be a really wise thing to have, and we've spoken about that in the past. So do find a trusted friend, find somebody at church who you think has a good attitude towards money, who handles money well, and begin to admit to them, the position you find yourself in. I think all of us would love to help each other handle money better. And then often, Bex, I think it comes down to a bit of brutal hard work of budgeting. You know, where does the money go? Well, where does it come in from, first of all, and where am I going to put it? Focus on getting out of debt, for example, paying off expensive loans. There are lots of good resources out there that can walk you through this process, We spoke to Ben Clift as a bonus episode in our last season, and he works with CAP, Christians Against Poverty, and they do exactly this thing. They help people get onto a firm financial footing. Say that one at speed, a firm financial footing. We can all learn from those kind of processes, but admit to ourselves, admit to others, begin to take action, and we can get ourselves in a better position.
1: And some of the concepts Simon's touched on there, such as budgeting and paying off debt and how we do that, have been spoken about in more depth in season one. So please do head back there if that feels like it would be helpful. And my final conversation starter for the day is that multiple times we have said that money can carry emotion. So how do we resolve hurt that's been caused by previous conversations about money or previous decisions that either we or someone else have made about money where do we start with that
0: yeah it's a whole season in and of itself I imagine that one I think back to yeah relationships that I've had that have been damaged or soured because of money issues money is a very emotive topic but it's one that affects us physically too so I remember even growing up how money became a thing which within the family could cause anxiety, could cause anger or stress. With friends, for example, you know, you lend someone a tenner and they never pay you back. How are you going to deal with that? It could be minor or it could be really important. I think, first again, do we understand our own feelings towards people? Are we harboring anger towards people's past financial mistakes? Are they aware of that? Do we have to forgive them ourselves first? Do we need to speak to them and share that forgiveness? Bex, do we need to admit to others our mistakes and seek forgiveness? And that is really hard to do.
1: And again, it all depends on the situation, doesn't it? You may be in a situation where someone's really wound you up, they didn't give you that tenor back, and it was really frustrating. And perhaps it's enough to bring that before the Lord and to have a conversation about that and forgive them. And that's okay. Perhaps you feel differently. And actually you want to have a chat with them and say, hey, actually, when you didn't give me that tenor back, I didn't feel super valued. And it's not even so much about the money, but actually in our friendship, it made me feel like I was maybe a bit taken for granted. And I think, again, it all comes down to how we're feeling on an individual level, the emotions we're holding and actually how that's affecting our relationship with God and with the other person. And each situation is going to look completely different.
0: And some of them are utterly life-changing situations. I'm thinking now of divorce, where the finances of a family are so complicated and integrated. And when a family breaks down, when a marriage breaks down... The finances can be destroyed, sometimes beyond repair. It can take years or decades to try and recover from some of those losses. Now, I'm not even going to begin to talk about how people get into the situation where divorce is the right action for them to take. But if you're talking totally logically, I'd be saying divorce financially ruins people. We should, again, try and enter relationships with a mindset I love you and this is for life. We're going to integrate our finances and we're going to work together at them. Money becomes the biggest cause of relational damage within marriages. If we can understand our own attitude towards money and begin to understand our partner's attitude towards money, we can help each other create a more stable financial environment which just might lead to a more stable marriage environment to everybody's benefit.
1: And what that final point highlights so brilliantly is that money is never just about money, but that it reaches into every corner of our lives. And so actually, firstly, understanding what shaped our view of money and our attitudes up till now is crucial in order to understand how those attitudes and past decisions impact both our present and our future And ultimately, we want to make sure that we are resolving any past issues or tensions so that we can move on to live in the freedom that Jesus
0: offers us. And that is a brilliant segue into the next couple of episodes we're going to have. So next week, we'll look at the present of money, how our current decisions have an impact on us both now and in the future, how our actions today can have eternal significance in our lives and in the lives of those around us, in society as a whole, in fact, but also this need to recognise that if we are emotional beings when it comes to money, so is everybody else, and they're probably having a really tough time of it, and maybe we could be the ones to help them out.
1: And so we hope you will join us for those conversations on the present and the future with No Ghosts Included. If you have any comments or questions for us, we'd absolutely love to hear them. You can email us at whereyourtreasureis at freerangepodcasting.co.uk or you can drop us a message on Instagram at whereyourtreasureispodcast. And we'll see you next time when we continue our
0: conversations about money. So that's goodbye from us in the past and we'll see you in the present.
1: See you then. This podcast has been brought to you by Freerange Podcasting. Let us take you where you and your podcast want to go.